Hezekiah, it's good to see you. Uh, there's a lot of visitors here this morning, so I want to introduce myself. I'm Pastor Brandon Briscoe. I want to welcome you, and we're, we're thankful that you're here. Uh, we're really excited. We're coming on the heels of our retreat, as you heard, and there's a lot of excitement and energy, and uh, we're ready to serve the Lord. And so hopefully you'll see that, and you'll know that this morning. Uh, we have a real sweet privilege today. Uh, we've got a guest speaker uh, this morning, and, and uh, a few years ago, uh, one of the all church retreats. I remember a few days, a few days into the retreat, thinking to myself, uh, looking at, looking at. I don't know if you remember the room, that big giant room that we that we were meeting in previously. But uh, thinking, who is that? All that hooping and hollering going on. Okay, and and I remember thinking, man, there is someone here that's really enthusiastic, really. <laughs> Excited, and, and I heard that it was one of the pastors, Billy Wood, and, and he kind of came out of nowhere, right? He kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, I didn't, I didn't know him uh, at all. I, I mean, I knew Mark, but then Billy was here, and Billy's Billy's Mark's pastor, and, and I started hearing things about him, uh, and, and started getting to know him. And one of the things that I recognize about Billy is that that he's that excitement. It doesn't stop. It's, it, is a, it is a part of his life. And the excitement is about Jesus Christ and disciples. That's the excitement. That's the energy. I mean, he, might, he's, he officially wins the most energetic pastor in the living fellowship. <laughs> and that, he usurps Mark in that even. All right? and, and, and man, that energy and that excitement that you see is, is his hope in Jesus Christ and his love for making disciples. And I'm so thankful that he's here to preach to Kaya this morning because we're like-minded in that. And I think that the word that he's going to have for us today is going, to, uh, is going to get us even more excited and more full of faith as it concerns following Jesus Christ with everything uh, that we have. So I want to invite Pastor Billy Wood up. And I want to pray. This, this so I'm going to pray over him, and I'm going to let you get into it, man. Yeah, man. Okay, you're, this is your time to, to share with us, okay? The, the Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for, for Billy, and uh, we're grateful for his leadership, and uh, Lord, that he's sounding the charge. Uh, Lord, that, that for the Living Faith Fellowship, man, we've got, we've got a man whose life reflects, and his love for you reflects the call. And so, Lord, I pray that we would see him as an example. And, Lord, that we would, we would follow in his lead. And, Lord, we would recognize just how amazing it is, the purpose that you've given us in your word to follow you and to live out the Great Commission, that we would know it fully and that it would be the passion of our lives. Lord, please use him this morning. Speak through him. Sure. Give him liberty. And, Lord, give us attentive ears. We love you and we thank you for this time. Use it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. I am glad to be here. I, I, you need to see this. And so if you guys need to move that for it all to work, I'm going to scoop this over. Is that all right? It's going to talk amongst yourselves. Uh, is that good? Is that, is that all right? I, I, I'd rather you see the word than see me. And let me say that when we start with the, uh, uh, the PowerPoint there, 
Uh, guys, I won't read all the verses on there for time's sake, So, but I want you to look at the verse, because certainly the Word of God is better to look at than me. Uh, and so, uh, uh, but uh, you'll get the gist of the story, I think, as we tell it today. Uh, we don't have to get too deep into those verses there. We'll get to the verses that we have. Let me say and, t- and take just a You know, in Georgia, however much water you give, that's how much time you're giving them to preach. I don't know who's responsible for this right here, but uh, I I bet that the big church up there won't be for this, so uh, uh, let me lay this right here, because I'm sure enough going to knock something down. Uh, Let me say, I want you to meet my, my, uh, man, uh, my everything. Apart from uh, the Lord, this is my bride, Shannon. Shannon, you stand right there. Uh, that's what I said the first time I saw her. That's what I said. Hallelujah to you. Uh, uh, I sure did. Uh, I know we don't look like we belong to each other. I can only promise you that back when we were teenagers, in some capacity, you would look back then and you'd go, okay, I can see how this happened. And now you see it and you're going... Bless her heart. <laughs> I mean, uh, but I got her, and six kids later, we're still together. And so I am very thankful for her. Uh, she's the real deal. Uh, as much as you guys get to know us, sometimes I wish you'd get to know uh, our ladies. Uh, my, my wife is a, a real lady of God, loves the Word, studies the Word, and uh, disciples it. And it blesses my heart for her to be my companion in life. And beside her, uh, in case you've never met her, I bet you have, but right there, Miss Sherry Trotter, will you raise your hand, Miss Sherry, right there? That's Miss Sherry Trotter. So we appreciate her and a uh, and, uh, real blessing for all of you. Listen, I love you. You, you say, oh, there's this preacher talk, but I really do. I, I follow you guys, uh, your uh, Facebook page. I stalk y'all. Uh, uh, I'm, on, I'm sure sometimes you're going, what is he doing? Is he just waiting for us to post something? Can we post it? He's locking it, you know? Uh, uh, that's how, uh, for real, I got y'all as one of my, I mean, where it just notifies me with what's going on. It is a real joy for me to be able to be here and put my eyes on this and to experience the worship. Uh, I'm a, a, well, I don't say fan. You guys get it, right? But but I dig temple worship. I do. I think that the robots and the whoever's, I think they, I don't mean that in a bad way. What is it? There you go. I think Rivers and Robots, I think they ought to be getting temple worship to sign their guitars when this thing's done. Uh, and so, uh, but I, I am, a, we have their, we have their CD, we, we, we have their downloads, I, I dig it. Uh, uh, they sang uh, one of my favorite songs in the whole wide world just a minute ago, and I didn't know they were going to do that, and that's a blessing. So I'm a, I just love what God is doing amongst you, with you. Keep being yielded so that he will do that, all right? Uh, and uh, that'll be a blessing. Just know there's a dude down in Georgia who catches great encouragement watching you guys catch the Lord's spirit by his word. The Lord is no respecter of persons. He will do great things with you, by you, through you, if you will give yourself for of him, through him, and to him to be all things in your life. And I can't wait to continue to see God's journey take path in you. All right, I'm going to ask you to turn two places real quick. It's John chapter 20 uh, and uh, Matthew chapter 1. I won't have either one of these on the screen. The rest of it I will. Uh, John 20, I'll make reference to Matthew 1 is where we're going to take our test. And I hope I don't mess anything up by moving around. I typically just tend to do 
that, uh, but I want to hop into uh, the Word of God together. How many are thankful we have the Word of God? We have the Word and words of God, and I'm just thrilled about that because it doesn't means it doesn't depend upon what I have to say. The hero in every story, if we're reading the Word of God, is the Word of God. It is His story. It is history, which leads to His story, and He wants His story to continue into you. Now, I heard a testimony over there in uh, uh, in big church, and and it went like this from one of you, I think it was, said. Man, we've just been we've just been fed so much spiritually. Uh, you know, how much more can we take? Uh, and uh, and I know that that was meant in a in a, in a good way. And and if you did go to to ACR, you were loaded up uh, with food, weren't you? I mean, uh, have, hello. I mean, wasn't that a blessing to receive that? And and I get it. It's not so much that you don't want to eat anymore. It's just you're just overwhelmed with all that God has given you. And, and y'all, He has given you uh, some of uh, His choice meat from His Word, for surely through some of His choice servants. But I just encourage you to respond to that. But I was cognizant of that. I praise the Lord the Spirit. God brought that to my mind as I thought about me this morning. I typically love to come in and challenge you. Uh, it's, my, it's my way. Uh, and yet, man, I thought ahead of time. What what can you add to what's been brought to you as far as a challenge? Let me let me give you another challenge in your life. And so I just thought that while that was still working on you, I could just remind you about something that should be special to all of us, even if you've never received it. It is, and I want to do it in a very unique way. That hence why I'm asking you to turn to. Matthew chapter 1. Now in Matthew chapter 1, that is the genealogy, if you will, listed of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think you know that. Uh, If you look in your Bible there or swiping as you may, uh, you'll notice the very last word in Matthew chapter 1. Will you look down real quick and find it? The very last word in Matthew chapter 1. Say it out loud with me. One, two, three. Say it one more time. Yeah, I'm feeling at home now. Jesus. Jesus. So we're looking at the genealogy of, of Jesus Christ, as it would be, as he, came to this, as he came to this earth. And I suppose that most times anyone dives into this particular passage is somewhere uh, maybe around Christmas or, or it's one of those breeze-through chapters when you get to your, your Bible reading, right, in your 52 weeks, etc. You know, you're skating right through there. You know, you, gotta, you got some extra time in your morning because you ride through there and you're going, okay, begat, begat, begat. Yeah, all right, see you tomorrow, Jesus, right? I mean, you're, you're rolling, I get it. Uh, we tend to do that in much of, of that, or, or maybe maybe I used to tend to do that, and maybe, maybe after today you'll used to tend to do that, because what we miss is there's some wonderful truths that God reveals through His genealogy. Now, I don't have to ask this group. Uh, I know who you are, and I know the predominant amen that would be that you believe we have the very word and words of Jesus. Am I right about that? We have it preserved for us. And I say it around our place that it's preserved on purpose for a purpose. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 5, I have it on the screen there, says every, how many words, y'all? Every word of God is pure. And I want you to rest on that. Every word of God is pure, and may I add, including, (laughs) including the passages that include begot. You believe that? John chapter 20 where I had you turn there. It's a very familiar passage and I won't get into it because uh, it's really probably one of my favorite passages in all the gospel. But it's John chapter 20. I don't have this on the screen. But it's John chapter 20 
where I ask you to turn verse 31 there. Verse 30 and 31. I just want you to grab this principle where it says, Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, comma, that, so that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Look right there where it says, But these are written. Now it's talking, obviously, contextually to that book, John and all the things of Jesus that's not included in that book. And uh, chapter 21 tells us, I mean, all, the, all, all of the, the books in the world could contain all that he did. And, and uh, surely uh, that would be true. But I want you to grab that principle that uh, in application not only to the book of John, but as it applies to the entire word of God. And that is that, that what God wanted to say, he said it right here. Amen. There's no new revelations we're waiting to... To receive one day, we believe that, right? God has spoken, and we have that which He has spoken. And yet, that means we should treasure every word of God that is pure. That means any word that is in here, He could have left out. He's God. It is His book, right? It's His word. It's His mind on paper for us. And He could have chose to, to remove this or include this. So let's be careful when we yawn through a passage. Because this is God's Word. Remember? I mean, and it has a purpose behind it. So let's, let's see if we can't see that in application for us today. Even seeing it again through these, through these begot. Seemingly what we have here is one of those random genealogies. And I'll give you that it seems that way at times. That, and certainly we can see sometimes the audience is the Jewish audience. And that meant a lot to them, etc. And in this case it is as well. But I want you to see how that would have something to do with you and I. You have this genealogy. God is going to bring us through 14 generations, 14 men's name as you go through there. However, I want to bring your attention to something I think is very, uh, I used to would say weird. Uh, maybe it'll be that way to you today. Maybe intriguing. However it is, it certainly is interesting to me about this particular genealogy. I think it's special. This genealogy takes place in the Gospel of Matthew. If you're an LFBI student, you are certainly aware that the Gospel of Matthew is the Gospel written to the? It is a Jewish genealogy. Now, grab this about a a Jewish genealogy. Uh, Very rarely, if you will study uh, uh, Jewish history, uh, you'll find that very rarely does a woman's name show up in a Jewish genealogy. Genealogy. You can check me out on that. I mean, every once in a while it does. But again, it is extremely uh, extremely rare in a Jewish genealogy that you're going to see a woman's name. And yet here we have in the book of Matthew that is written to the Jew, uh, the gospel that is going to show Jesus as what? Shows him as, as king, presents him as king. Here we have... Not only, remember, a Jew, and Jews don't typically have it recorded for them, and yet this is, and let me, look, this is not just any kind of genealogy where they decided to put it in there. This is the royal genealogy. I mean, this is the, the genealogy of, of the Lord. I mean, this is going to, as it says, as it brings it on down, it's going to bring it down to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the genealogy of royalty, guys. This is. This is what we're talking about here. And amongst this genealogy of royalty, uh, there are not, not just, not remember, where typically they do not include a woman's name. And that's not to see any chagrin of women. They just didn't do it. And yet here, they don't just include it once, but they include a woman's name in this genealogy four times. Now, 
Why is that? That that's the kind of thing. In fact, you talk about part of Pastor Mark's influence on my life, and that was one of those things. And then I hope it carries over to you as to get you to think when you see something like that. Why is that? When you when it brings it to our attention, kind of shout something from the page. Why is it that there are four women's names that show up in this genealogy when God did not have to do it? Remember, his words are selected words on purpose for a purpose. And that being said, what we can then deduce is that by point of emphasis, God is screaming something to us by dropping these four women's names in this passage. And yet again, I want you to to look at who these women actually were. Because you can get to think, I mean, why? I mean, if you allow yourself to to think like this and not consider it disrespectful, but sometimes you got to think it for God to be able to show it to you in that manner back to you. But God, why? I mean, when you didn't have to do it, this is your son's genealogy, and I know it's your word, and that's not my business, but God, why would you include, why would you choose to include these women's names? I mean, I mean, it's not, there's nothing left. I mean, really, when you think, why in the world would God, in bringing us through his kingly line, the king of kings, mind you, why would he drop, of all women, why would he drop these women's names in this genealogy? Especially when you, when he didn't have to. Look down, if you will. We're going to look at them, obviously. That's where I'm headed. So we look down there, and you can look in, uh, as it would be, uh, verses 2 and 3 with me there. In the middle of verse 3, it says, Abraham begot, I should say, verse 2, Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, Jacob begot Judas and his brethren, and Judah begot Perez and Zerah of, what's that lady's name? Tamar. So there's that first woman's name, Tamar. Now, now, why back? Now, again, now this is God choosing whose names is going to be listed in His sons, that royal, kingly line that's going to end with Jesus. Why, why win any name? Remember, they don't always have to have it. I've said member several times. In Georgia, that means remember. <laughs> you know, remember now, look, it, 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 it's, it's, here's this line. Why? When you don't have to do it. No one would have thought anything about leaving the ladies' names out. And then you're going to tell me that one of the names that he whips out, the first name that he whips out, is Tamar? Have you studied this girl? I mean, why not back in, why not back in verse 2? If you're going to throw a name out there, if you're going to pick a woman, why, why not back in verse 2 where it says Abraham begot Isaac? Hey, let's, let's pop Sarah in there. Let's give her some props because he does elsewhere in the Bible. I mean, that's I, I'm sure. I'm sure many of you are going to study marriage before you do Monday, and those who are, have been married. But but Sarah is somebody who God elsewhere in the Scripture lifts out as an example of submission. Four of the seven responsibilities of a wife to her husband is to submit. And when one of the ways for God to explain that, He says, just as Sarah did. I mean, He puts a spotlight on Sarah. <laughs> study her. Be like that. I love it. It's a gift for ladies. So you think. If God was going to do that over here, why not just pop the spotlight on say right now? But Tamar? I, again, I, I have up on the screen there, uh, in fact, it was First Peter. Uh, where it was that we could talk about where he uses Sarah as that example. But I have up on the screen there this later. Let me tell you a little bit of her story, okay? Now, now, now uh, I, I'm just still blown away with it as I think about that, even of, of myself. Here's Tamar. Again, uh, her husband's name is Er. Do you see that right there? And, and, and let me say, if you're going to do some wicked stuff, Er is a pretty good name to have, I reckon. Uh, if that's your 
That's how you're rolling. Her husband's name is Er. He's wicked, Genesis 38 tells us. It says he's wicked in the sight of the Lord. And he gets, he gets destroyed by God. This is Tamar's story. Uh, in fact, you continue to look at Tamar's story. Uh, the next slide that I have up there, his brother, you know the way that thing would roll at that point, dude's dead, so now bro gets step up. And here uh, he steps up and it's Onan. And check out Onan. He too, the Bible preserves to be said, that he too was wicked in the sight of the Lord. And it says that he got destroyed. In fact, I want you to look at the language right there. It says that, wherefore the, uh, the Lord slew him also. I mean, man, when God's slaying you, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, hey, I'm going to take this one. Look, so we got some wicked stuff that is happening there, and the Lord slew him also. We continue to explore this story of Tamar. We wind up in uh, verse 11 of that same passage. And, and then what happens is Judah promises her uh, the third son. Now, now Judah, we do remember, he's the dad of this bunch. And he now promises Tamar the, uh, his third son, but then he reneges he reneges on the deal. You can go back and read the story in detail later on. It certainly is interesting. <laughs> and so at this point of desperation, where now he has reneged, she sees that Sheila's old enough and should have been given to her as he, was, as he promised such. She's desperate. She thinks she's not going to be able to bear children to uh, this name. And remember uh, how important that was, vitally important to uh, that day. And so as she would do that, she takes off her widow's garment, the Bible talks to us about, at this place of desperation. She takes off her widow's garment. She dresses up as a prostitute. She goes to the path that she knows Judah, her father-in-law, let me remind you. She goes to the path where she knows that, that he's going to be on. And she has, as it would be, what turns into a physical relationship with dude. And she gets pregnant with his child. And God decides... To put her name in the genealogy. Are y'all tracking with me? Yeah. I mean, I mean, hey, again, in the genealogy of God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, when you don't have to do it, and when gene Jewish genealogies, by and large, don't do it, then why, again, would you put that puppy right there in the Bible for all of us to see in that genealogy? Now, look at verse 5. Rahab uh, is uh, who's mentioned there. And uh, you would know Rahab, or Rachel there, her Jewish pronunciation is pronounced Rahab. Look, we know her as Rahab the what? We know her as Rahab the harlot, and Rahab the harlot was a was a prostitute. Now, now you know that she's Rahab the harlot. You, you, you know that, and that's not just us trying to bring up uh, her past as uh, it would be. In fact, five times uh, uh, you can see, three times in Joshua, one time in Hebrews, one time in James, five times God in His Word chose to also let us know, oh, by the way, Rahab, she was a, right? I mean, he's putting it out there, so it's not like you're whipping out her past. God just kind of reminds us of that. And so again, <laughs> why would God drop a name of a, I mean, thousands of years later, removed from this woman when she hit the planet, most of you were able to say exactly what she was known by, by me leaving that blank open, Rahab the harlot, uh, this woman was a harlot, and, and we all immediately remember that from the reminder that we have, and yet I say again, God put her name in this genealogy. Are y'all with me on this? Why? Remember, Jewish genealogies didn't have, you didn't have to go there. 
But here she is. Now, let's read on and you see uh, as you go to uh, the rest of verse 5 there, uh, moving into verse 6, you see where it talks about how Boaz begat Obed of Ruth. Now, Obed begot Jesse and Jesse begot David the, the king. Ruth is that third lady that is mentioned there. And then it says, and Jesse begot David the king and David begot Solomon of her that had been the wife of Uriah. Now, 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 who was that wife, y'all? What was her name? Her name was Bathsheba. Most of you would would know that. And Bathsheba, uh, Bathsheba was an adulteress. Uh, you'll remember in the epitaph of David, this is very significant. It's a whole message that can be preached just off of this particular verse, 1 Kings chapter 15. But in the epitaph of David, man, when it's finishing off his life, man, I mean, and it's talking about all that he did that was right in the eyes of the Lord. This is the man after God's own heart, right? I mean, y'all remember that? I mean, God chose to say that not once, but twice in the scripture. And yet also preserved is not only that, but God chose to leave this in there. Oh, he did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord and turned not aside from anything he commanded him all the days of his life. Say only, except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. Uh, and in the matter of Uriah the Hittite, you can't tell his story without thinking about Bathsheba. Right? And so here's this one who he fell with her. There are only four names in this whole genealogy. All the rest of them are men. So again, does anybody in here think that, or not think that God, uh, in a genealogy that ends with Jesus, could have just left these four women's names out, something that was customary for Jewish genealogies anyway, and everybody just be cool with that? Anybody think that would have been all right? Well, brother, I just have respect for God's word. Well, I do too, but are y'all understanding what I mean? Uh, it's okay. Again, remember now, his words are selected words. They're pure, we saw earlier. So we got to stop in question, maybe wonder, what is up with that? But then when you look to see again who they are, let me refresh you uh, of that story. I won't go back into every single bit of that, but I don't want you to lose it uh, as we talk about it. We're talking about Tamar. We just told that story in Genesis 38. She dresses up like a prostitute. She has, hello, a physical relationship with her father-in-law. Are you kidding me? And she gets pregnant with his kid. Though she knew what the promises of God were, she took things in her own hands and she got, sure enough, the result of such. Anybody know what that's like to do? Know what God's word says, but take things and matters in your own hands. And you have the result of that. And yet God, when he's preserving this royal genealogy for his glorious son, he lists this woman who manipulatively did that thing. And then we have right there, Rahab the, the harlot. And whereas Tamar dressed up like a prostitute, uh, as was said in row two, <laughs> she was a professional prostitute. I mean, uh, who, who, when you go to, again, chapter two of Joshua, and you just look at how her story unfolds, not only is she a real good prostitute, she's a, she's a real good liar. I mean, here's a winner, right? And we're going we're gonna to park her right in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. What you have preserved in God's word on purpose, for a purpose. Tamar, Rahab the harlot. Why, when you don't even have to mention any of these women, why do you put those ladies' names in there? Then there's, then there's what? There's, there's Ruth. And I'm sure you've been taught of Ruth and how she's a picture of the church. And what a beautiful, one of my daughter's names is Ruth. And I mean, what a, what a beautiful name of that. And Ruth is not a prostitute. Yeah, we make a progress there. Hey. I mean, to the contrary, the Bible says she is, in Ruth, uh, Ruth chapter 3 and verse 11, the Bible says she's a virtuous woman. However, 
She's got this major blot on her life. Zoom in right here. You, you, you know, you know the, what that blot is, right? I mean, she's, she's got a problem because she is a Moabitess. Now, the Moabites are, are this wicked, cursed race. I mean, if you study them out in history, you'll see that. And she is exactly of that. And if you want to talk about sick, if you go back and you find the origin of the Moabites, uh, do you remember back in the Old Testament, Lot had two daughters. You guys remember that story, right? He has two daughters, and, and uh, they have not had any children. They are afraid. They aren't going to have them either. So again, I mean, hey, this one over here is having sex with the father-in-law. This is over here. Get their daddy drunk and have sex with him. Intimate relations. Yeah. Bible. Why would you? I mean, you don't need to watch no movies, read nothing else. Right? I mean, this is some kind of book right here. Right? I mean, oh, get in this. So here she is. Listen, she look again. You read the story. They get they get daddy drunk. They have sexual relations with their father. They look. Both of them get pregnant. They give birth. And if you remember the story, I, I have the verses on the screen here. The, the fruit that comes from their womb, born from that incestuous rendezvous, if you will, were the Ammonites and the Moabites. That cursed people of whom Ruth, though, though the story of Ruth is a splendid story, yet Ruth is a Moabite. She has this problem from a cursed race. And I'm just saying, if you read about the Moabites, check that bunch out. Trace their history line, if you will. And you'll see, these people, by and large, were just constantly coming against God's people and against His cause in their lives. They were the proverbial thorn in the flesh, if you will, for the children of Israel. And so, again, I mean, obviously coming against God's glory, coming against God's cause, coming against God's ways, and God chooses to put one of them. I mean, hey, salute Ruth. But we don't have to throw a Moabite in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, do we? How many of y'all think you know where I'm going? I think you should. We continue to look through there. And again, uh, woman number four. Here's the wife of Uriah. This is Bathsheba. And as said, most know her story with David, her flaunting herself out there, taking that bath. And David comes out, he sees it. And fellas, instead of him seeing something and turning from it, he chooses to stay tuned in on it. And as the Scripture says, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things, our eyes affecteth our heart he stays studied on her and just as Lot how he looked towards Sodom and he was leaning towards Sodom for a long partner found himself living in Sodom David looked toward Bathsheba he starts leaning towards Bathsheba and before long he the king sends for Bathsheba and she comes she goes to the king uh, he, again, David takes her to himself. They now have more than just a visual encounter from afar. But just as so, which should never have started that way, it has now ended in a physical encounter close. She gets pregnant. And the problem amongst many, by the way, at this point, is that her husband, Uriah, 
is out on the field of battle when this thing takes place. David gets freaked out. Oh, I should add, this cat is uh, leading the army as it would be David's army out on the front. You guys know this story, right? And so here we have, that's what's going on. He sends word back to, uh, or to bring Uriah back, the king does. You know, I mean, hey, you're doing a great job. You know, why don't you just come back and why don't you hang with your wife a little while? You know, let me reward you for your faithfulness on the front end of the troops. And you guys know what he was doing, right? I mean, surely if he comes back, hangs with his girl, he's been out there uh, in, the, in the battlefield, they'll have a little intimate relations themselves. And then that way, my baby can be his baby and nobody will be none the wiser. Except for God is always the wiser, right? And sure enough, be sure your sins will find you out. And it did him. And, and as it would be, uh, Uriah is, is, of such, is of such character that, that he does obey the king. And he does come back as the king orders because the king did order that. He, he, he does it. But he's of such character. He didn't, his boys are out there on the front line, man, taking it. And, and he just couldn't take advantage of not being there. And being here. So, can you imagine the conviction that this whipped out on Dave? He sleeps at the king's door instead of going and taking in the opportunity to be with his woman. Ordinarily, maybe the king would have been impressed by that, but the plan was getting foiled because unless he was with her, that baby could not be his. So, we have a problem. So, what does happen? You know the story. David sends out as it would be, the orders as it would be, not just in essence, but to murder him as he went back into that uh, battle. And Bathsheba is that one that is mentioned here in this genealogy. The, the one, I mean, when you look again back there where it said that in all manners, save only the matter of Uriah the Hittite and the genealogy of Jesus Christ, God has to bring up that sin that surely broke the heart of the man after God's own heart. And God throws it right there. In a genealogy, by the way, that would not be ignored. A genealogy that would have been on everybody's radar. This is the genealogy that ends with that name. You said it to start. Say it with me now. The name Jesus. Jesus. And so again, I say, seemingly, if you don't have to put her reference in there, it would have not have impacted the genealogy at all. Uh, then, then, then why? Then why do it? And I get it that our thoughts are not his thoughts, and our, our mind, and, 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 and we are finding that to be true. Along with Tamar, Rahab, Ruth. First, you don't have to list women. Rarely in a Jewish genealogy do they. These four women are a mess. Can I have an amen right there? Why would you list them? Why would you include them in this line of royalty, this genealogy of Jesus Christ? How many of you see what I'm saying? How many of you see what I'm saying? All right. And of course you know that all of that is headed to an answer. History again telling his story. Y'all listen to me, young people. God is showing us far more than just the royal. And by the way, he yet still does have it preserved. This royal genealogy. This a beautiful kingly line as it would be of the Lord Jesus Christ in the in the flesh God incarnate God what, what God is trying to put on display remember every word of God is pure and so what God is trying to put on display is listen to me 
The reason, not just that Jesus came, but the reason that Jesus came. The Bible says in the book of Luke, I have it on the screen there, Luke 7 and verse 34, that Jesus is the, what does it say? Friend of sinners. He is the Son of God. Yes, amen. <laughs> and He's the friend of the publicans, but He's a friend of sinners. How many are thankful that He is? The Bible tells us this amongst many things about Jesus. And what we have here in the genealogy of Matthew chapter 1 is a splendid truth by which through this genealogy and His own purpose inclusion of these four women's names to a people who seldom listed women at all, He's emphatically screaming out that God is gracious. Would you agree with that? That that where sin abounds, what y'all? Grace does much more abound. You know why God has these four women uh, included in this genealogy when, when they don't have to be? He's trying to teach us something about the human race. Y'all people listen to me. We are all like Tamar. We are all like Rahab. We are all like the Moabites, yes we are. We are all like Bathsheba. We are all in and of ourselves sinful wretches. Would you agree? Isaiah said, all we. Does it matter what he said? Yes it does because he echoes an amen from way back yonder. He says, all we like sheep have gone astray. And have turned everyone to his own way. Yet the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Listen, the Bible reminds us Zay is the one who does it again. He reminds us that all of our righteousnesses, listen, the very best that we could offer in and of ourselves is as filthy and he means the word in every sense of his expression. His filthy rags. Paul recorded it uh, in his letters and says in Romans chapter 3, there is none righteous. No, not you. No, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Listen, those were their sins. I get it. And we can read about it from a distance and not knowing them, we can kind of chime in like, how could they, would they, why do they And yet, while we don't need to live back there, you haven't forgotten where you came from, have you? That's their sins, but but what about what about ours? Can I even say what about yours? What we needed was a savior. Amen? What we needed was a Savior. What many of this world still needs is a Savior. And that's why immediately following this genealogy, it makes reference of our Christ. And it says in verse 21, He shall save His people from their what? And we know He came into His own and His own received Him not. And so the next verse says, But as many as would receive Him, to them gave He power to become the what? The how many sons of God in here we have? Daughters of God. Amen? Because He didn't just come to save His people from their sins. He came to save we people from our sins. And I don't never want you to get over that. 
Listen, this world is filled with, with guilt-ridden people. Uh, I mean, uh, I think we would all know that. Some Christians in here, uh, you, you've confessed your sins, maybe not once, but a, a dozen times. You did it again this morning. I mean, you're, I mean the weight of the guilt of your sins still drags you down. You're still haunted by your past. Yes, there are consequences to sin. Many times restitutions needs to be made. Uh, but, but, but never confuse that, please, with forgiveness. I submit to you this morning that God peeled off a page in His perfect, preserved Word to put on display through the seemingly, but we now know better, random genealogy of His glorious Son that, the God, uh, that God is a God of grace, that there is forgiveness available from God so that we will... That, uh, look, we will revere Him. We will stand in awe of Him because of His marvelous, infinite, matchless grace. Never get over that. Never. Ephesians 1 and verse 7, in whom we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins. We've got it, y'all. Don't live back there. You know the story of Philippians 3. I wouldn't take the time to tell you to go there, but you remember how Paul is talking about, he said, brother, I, I count not. This is Paul. Paul who was Saul. Read dude's language, man. Read his own testimony when he's testifying of how he wrecked havoc in the church. He was the one holding, as it would be, Stephen's clothes when Stephen was getting stoned. He was he did Don't you know the devil could get in his ears? Town to town on his missionary journeys when he's starting a work for the Lord and paying the price for it. Don't you know the devil who sometimes whispers in yours? Don't you know that Paul would have him say, might have had some more Christians around here. You wouldn't have killed them all. Maybe you'd have had some help for the cause if you'd have not heard it before you started. I submit to you, the one that we admire how God used so much, every day had a fleshly reason to lay it down and turn around. He says in that passage of Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13 right there, he says, brethren, I, listen to me, I count not myself to have apprehended, I haven't gotten a hold of, but this one thing, what is that? Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God. In Christ Jesus. I'm not going to be held back there. God did a thing right here. And by His grace, I'm going to share His grace so He can do a thing with others. Because we are the body of Christ. Christ in us. The hope of glory. We are these vessels to, yes indeed, whoever gave that testimony, be of honor. So that God can use it and be seen out of that one that used to be a vessel like Tamar. The Moabites. Y'all tracking? A vessel like, like that. So let me encourage you not to be haunted by that which is back there if you've walked away from it. Listen to me, young people. There is forgiveness found through the Lord Jesus Christ. I know you know that. When He, look, he knew when He came who and what He was coming to. I, I love the verse, Romans 5, 8, but God, what, commendeth His love towards us in that while we were yet beautiful saints waiting on what we deserved. <laughs> while we were yet what? Yes. Christ 
died for us. And when he died on that cross, he became, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 tells us, he became sin for us so that we might have the forgiveness of sins and yet trusting on him for the payment of such, he will remove our sins from us as far as the east is from the west and that allows us to have that relationship with God that he wants to use. Hmm. LFBI. You are blessed to have before you the opportunity to have more knowledge of that book and that book not return void in your life as you absorb it. And yet I say to you, don't be that that just gives and gives and gives and just swells up from all you know and forget that you know who you are apart from Jesus. And forget who you know that you needed. And amongst getting and y'all, I love this Bible. But the Word was never given to you to not be used to pour out of you and it be a river of grace to those who need it. A path that leads to forgiveness. A path that leads to restoration. Which ultimately is a path that leads to glory for the one who deserves it. Don't forget the basics. And on a weekend where much has caused us to do inflection, looking inside, examining ourselves and strengthening ourselves. Maybe God just had me walk in here and remind you, out those doors are people who need what you've got. He's always been after them because He was after you. And God reminds us in the genealogy of Jesus that it, we sh- it shouldn't be that we could think of Him and not think of those who He came for and what He can do in them when He gets them. To be glory vessels for that King of Kings and that Lord of Lords. Not just then in that day, but with us now in this one. How do you bring a close to this message? Well, maybe this. If you've been in here and I said just a moment ago, we are all sinners. Listen, the reality is if you're in Christ, you were a sinner. You are a saint. And yet sometimes who we are positionally does not get matched with who we are practically, does it? That should disgust us. It should break our heart. That somehow, something amongst us, as has been said the last several days, is not laid on that altar. Something has not been, as Pastor Mark gave us this morning, has not been nailed to that cross. And is reflecting something that's not who we really are. Maybe, maybe, 
today God shared this story to remind you what you should be a testimony of. Not that you still look like that. Check it out in Ephesians 2. It says you walked. Past tense. Walked according to. No. Now I walk in. Whose life that it is. Maybe you're here this morning. You are saved and you're still in bondage to that past. And when I brought that up, that the devil still whispered in Paul's ear, you are so familiar with that sound because somehow you think you're not worthy of being used. Can I say, no, you're not. And no, am I. But we are the body of Christ and members in particular. And it's when we yield this that he takes possession of it. And by the way, there's no plan B. You are the body. So we yield it to be used for the glory of whose life that it is. And so if the devil lost your life eternally, he wants to try to rob you of that life abundant by reminding you and getting you to focus on who you used to be instead of who you are in him. And maybe this morning, new and afresh, you can just rejoice that you're not back there anymore. And that may be reflective of their story and what you're used to be, but God's given you a new story. And you want that story to be known because it's not our life. And my story now is His still being written in me. And then last, Mother Brandon, you come. And then lastly, listen, listen, don't zone out. They're just going to do what they normally do every week. They're supposed to come do whatever. Look, look right here. And then lastly, maybe this morning, you know the benefit I have? I have no idea who has a testimony of being born again and who has a testimony of not being born again. And yet I'm also convinced that if I was even standing before my church today, everybody who has that, who has said a prayer, it might not be gave a life. Do you really know the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you truly been born again? Have you turned from your way to Him being the way? Calling upon the name of the Lord? Asking Him to save you? Or have you always seen that you were just unsavable? Maybe you're here and you just can't. Oh, God would never. He don't want to touch that. And I would submit to you that some of what we saw he laid name to this morning would be stories that we haven't even touched. You can never be too far gone from God's grace. And if you've never personally received him, as was invited by you this morning, I invite you to close the same. Oh, that you would give your life to Jesus and let him transform it into a trophy of grace. Because today I don't end by telling you what was, what was, what was. But I rejoice in telling you what is, what is, what is. And what is evident about their story? Because you and I have been born again. Amen? Amen. However it is the Lord needs to minister to you, I pray you give your life for such.